Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? We are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, before I get started, let me do some housekeeping. Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to present Movie Night at Come On Everybody, 325 Franklin Avenue in Brooklyn on Sunday, May 7th. Internationally acclaimed psych rock duo Movie Club will be presenting Uncovering the 90s, the good, the bad, and the like whatever. A combination of live reading, discussion, and musical performance, the band will be joined by Pulitzer Prize winning 
author Camille Perry, in addition to some other very special local guests. You don't want to miss this multimedia, multidimensional live performance extravaganza right in the heart of Brooklyn. For more information, visit music. Ooh, visit movieclubtheband.com. Okay, so the housekeeping is out the way. And here we are on the last weekend of April. And today we are going to continue our studies of the minor prophet. And I am sure that after going through all these minor prophets, you know, the ones that you probably just skimmed over real fast because everybody wants to get to the Psalms and the Proverbs and the Ecclesiastes and John, of course. But these prophets had messages to give that, let me tell you something, the messages that they were giving were the same messages that Jesus came and just reiterated. So it's for us to know these messages as well. So today we're going to continue our studies. And I'm sure that when we think about it and listening to these characters, some of us, when you just think of the characters in the Bible, just in general, I know you can associate with them. I'm sure there were probably a couple of characters in the book that you were probably like, wow, I'm just like that. But I'm going to tell you one character who was kind of hard to live up to. That Proverbs 31 woman. I give her kudos. I love her dearly. And as a matter of fact, I remember back in the day (laughs) when I used to go to church services on a regular. I used to be quite perturbed. I'm going to tell you, when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, not that I'm too far off from them now, but. When the pastors used to always be like, oh, you want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Did they know that a Proverbs 31 woman was hard to live up to? I mean, think about it. They always used to say, oh, you single women want to live up to being a Proverbs 31 woman. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with her. She's ideal. Yes. But. How many of us can really, really say that we are a Proverbs 31 woman? We try to be. There may be some aspects of her that we have. But truth be told, there are many of God's daughters who aren't Proverbs 31 women. And it's okay. It's okay. She is not for everyone, nor should she be. God made us so that we can be who we are, right? And there's some parts of her that we could aspire to, like I said. But there's some parts of her, let's be real. There's not even parts of her, excuse me. Yes, there's some parts of her that we would long to be, and we do we do get to that point. But let's be real. There's some parts of us that could just as easily be Jezebel, right? But nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to admit that sometimes they could be a Jezebel. And hey, on a good day, on a good day, before the grace of God, a lot of us could have been straight up Eve or Rahab. Okay? But I say before the grace of God, right? But even with the grace of God, some of us still acting like Eve, Rahab, and Jezebel at times. But, hey, whoever you relate to, if you can learn from their stories, By all means, do it. 
So, and I know, like I said, we have probably multiple characters within us that we act out on a daily basis. But today, how how fitting is it to end the month with my favorite book in the Bible? Can anyone guess which book that is? Today, we're going to learn about a prophet that I strongly relate to. But I'm going to tell you, in learning that I was so much like him, it also taught me how selfish I can be at times. Because we all think that we're not selfish, right? Oh, I'm not selfish. I give to everyone. But there are times when we are straight up selfish. And Jonah was that prophet who, A, not only defied God, but didn't have a problem doing it. Or so he thought he had defied God, right? So as we go over the book, I'm going to tell you the lesson that God was trying to show all of us through this prophet. Today's topic, Jonah, the prophet that defied God. So we're going to do a quick do a quick summary. In the book of Jonah, although they were years apart from the message of Obadiah, but God still continued to pour out his message and he poured it out very clear. The day of the Lord was coming. And let me tell you something. God will do things in his own timing, not according to your timeline or my timeline, but when he feels and with whom he feels He wants to do it with. So Jonah was given a message to take to the city of Nineveh. Now, let me give you a backstory of Nineveh because these people were a hot mess. Nineveh was the city where the Assyrians lived. And if you know anything about the Assyrians, you know that they were the enemy of the Jewish people. The Ninevites, as they were known, were a violent group of people. They would torture you, then kill you, then place you on display for all to see as a warning of what could happen to you if you if you cross them or if they just felt like on a good day, they wanted to just come in and take over your city. It didn't matter to them. You could be minding your own business and they felt like, oh, I'm bored. Let me go take over this city over here and just torture the people and hang their heads up on the spikes. That's how they lived. That's the type of people that they were. So, of course, Jonah being a Hebrew, God's going to come to him and say, I want you to give a message to the Assyrians. And if they don't obey, I'm going to wipe them out. Jonah didn't want to give that message to them because he didn't want them to repent. He looked at them as dis- with disgust and he did not want the grace of the Lord to be extended to someone that he loathed. He wanted God to bring judgment against them for everything that they have done. So let's just think about this. Okay, here's one part, just the beginning of where God is showing us how there's a lot of us in this Jonah character. Think about this for a moment. How many of you God-loving people, right? Amen. Want God to be gracious and loving towards your enemy as he is towards you. Now think about this before you just blurt it out because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I pray for my enemies all the time. Let's just think about this. We all have people that have wronged us at one time or another. 
And when we're put in a position where we could hold the judgment of the Lord in our hand towards our enemies, how gracious would we really be? So Jonah is the story of how God loves all sinners. God was aware of what the Ninevites were doing, especially to the Israelites. Remember, God sees and knows all things. But even knowing that, God still wanted all not to perish, but to return to him. So that is the sign of the love that we say God has, the true love, the unconditional love that God shows towards all men. It is also the story of how selfish we who have God's love can be when it comes to him loving others that we feel he shouldn't love. So back to the question, how many of us are praying for God to save our enemies or are we praying for God to just take them out? The story of Jonah is a complete prophecy, not only for the people of Nineveh, but for Jonah himself. So in the beginning, we see that Jonah was given a message to give to the people of Nineveh. And he went right away, straight there to deliver the message, right? <laughs> no, he boards a boat headed to in the opposite direction. Let's pick up the story from chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So now let's think about this. God tells Jonah to get up and go tell the message to the Ninevites. Jonah's like, mm-hmm, I'm going down to catch this boat and going in the opposite direction. So Tarshish, if you think about it, in the proximity of Nineveh, was the opposite direction of where he should have been going. So let's just think, you're here in New York City, the Lord tells you to go to Syracuse to deliver a message to the people in Syracuse, and you bought a boat to go to Florida, okay? But how many of us know that no matter how hard we try to run from God, he will always find a way to get our attention, right? Now, continuing with verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest. No, the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship. He laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, uh, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Fast forwarding to verse nine, he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what, why have you done this? 
For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Okay, so here we go with Jonah. Not only is he going to flee from the Lord, cause havoc on the ship for men that had have nothing to do with what he was doing, in the boat sleeping while everybody's panicking, wanting to save their own life, praying to their own gods. He's in the boat sleeping. He could care less what was going on with that sea. They go down, wake him up. Then he has to confess. Yeah, it's me. It's me that's causing all this. So they're like, well, what did you do? So here we had Jonah sleeping on the ship that was about to be destroyed, right? But, but although he was placing them in danger from his own disobedience, are you aware that God will use your disobedience to save others? So these men believed in their own gods and not the God of Israel. But when they saw how powerful God was to cause the storm on the sea because of what Jonah did and came on the ship, they prayed not to be punished for tossing Jonah overboard to save their own lives. And when they tossed him overboard and the sea was calm, they offered up sacrifice and made vows. So look at that. In Jonah's disobedience, he converted and had new believers. So think about it. In your own disobedience, people still see what God is capable of doing. Because even though you say you're a Christian and you're not following, people see how God's hand is working in your life, possibly against you. And when they're not, you know, when they see things change up and they know that it's God that did it, they become believers in the God that you are not even obeying. God is, um, God is amazing. He is like, even in your catastrophe, I'm going to save some souls. So now in chapter two, we see that Jonah is swept up by a great fish after they toss him overboard, right? For three days and three nights. And what does this sound like? This was the foreshadowing of Christ with the crucifixion and the resurrection. So now we have Jonah, like all of us, when we're in trouble, crying out to God for help when we find ourselves in a bind that we put ourselves in because of our disobedience, right? So let's just go back into this because I want you to really pick up, and this is where I say about when you read the Bible, Read it, but take your time and read it because in each verse, there's just so many gems in whatever book you're reading. There's so many gems in there that you can pick up because let's just see. Let's go back. We have Jonah given a word from God. Go to the people of Nineveh. Tell them I'm going to destroy them if they don't change their wicked ways. Jonah's like, I can't stand the people of Nineveh. I want you to burn their place down to the ground. I'm not giving them anything. Boards a ship, goes to Tarshish, well, tries to head to Tarshish. But God is like, "Mm, so you're going to run from me? So let me just make some disruptions in your life. And think about it. Think about some things that God has told you to do. And you're like, "Mm, okay, God, I'll get to it. Or "Mm, no, God, I don't feel like doing that. I don't think that's a good thing to do. 
although you don't say that to him. Jonah didn't say, no, God, I don't want to go give them the message. But his actions showed, no, God, I don't want to give them that message. And a lot of times when God tells us to do things, we don't outright say, oh, no, God, I'm not doing that. But our actions show, oh, no, God, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And that's what Jonah did when he boarded that ship to go to Tarshish. So here we have him, and this goes to show you how even in our disobedience, even in our disobedience, we can get so comfortable in our disobedience. Because not only did Jonah board the ship, but when the sea started acting crazy, tossing the boat up and down with the winds, and you can just imagine, When you take a cruise ship now and there's a storm and that huge ship is rocking and rocking, how you can get seasick. Now, we're on a huge, modern, safe ship, right? These guys were on some wooden ship that they put together with nails and a hammer, and they're on the sea being tossed up and down, tossed up and down, and they're like, oh! What's going on? Let's pray to our gods because they were all pagans. So they were praying to each God that they believed in. And the culprit, the one that caused all the disruption, is in the bottom of the boat, sleeping out like a light. How many of us in our disobedience get so comfortable in being disobedient that we don't even realize we have a storm raging around us and we're just sleeping in bliss? while everything is breaking out. It doesn't have to be a storm. It doesn't have to be everything in your house being turned upside down, but it could be everything in your house being turned upside down and not be not like the sea, but the disruption, the attitudes, the fighting that's now going on, the disobedience of maybe if you have children that aren't paying attention to what you're saying to them, all of a sudden your whole house is chaos. You go to your workplace, co-workers are Layering up. You got a problem with this one, that one, and the other one. Your boss is constantly on your back and you're wondering what is going on? Why are you not thinking? Hmm. God told you to do something and you didn't do it. So here he is getting your attention. He's not going to just outright strike you with a lightning bolt. Uh uh-uh, uh. That would be too easy. He's like, hmm. I'm just going to cause a little bit of disruption in that life of hers that she thinks or he thinks is so comfortable right now because they're so comfortable in their disobedience towards me. So I have to show them who's still really in charge. And that's what God did with Jonah. He showed Jonah who was in charge. And he had the people on the boat also see who was in charge because when Jonah stood up and made that profession, Oh, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God that controls the sea, the land, the air, the bird. All right. So you're bragging about this God. So why is he giving us turmoil? And what did you do that? If you serve him so loyally, as you say that we're living all this and you're here because our lives was fine before you came around. So what do they do? They toss Jonah off the side of the boat. And they pray to God, please do not, do not punish us for the blood that's on our hands because we had to throw him off because we didn't want to die. But as soon as they threw Jonah off, 
everything everything calm wind calm sea calm boat just drifting along like nothing ever happened when you get back into alignment with god when you finally start following the way he wants you to follow and do what it is that he said he wanted you to do that's when you'll see everything in your life calm down and become peaceful. So when those men saw that tossing Jonah over the side calmed the seas, because that's what God really wanted, he wanted Jonah. They then got down on their knees, offered up sacrifices to Jonah's God, and then believed who the real, true, and living God was. Awesome. God is amazing. And with that, we're going to take a music break and we'll continue with the rest of Jonah. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. God of everything, you reached out to me, made a home in my heart. I just can't explain, I just stand in awe of your wonderful love. And even on my worst days, it stays the same, I just don't understand. How high, how wide, how deep is your love? How high, how wide, how deep is your love? Love that knows no end, I'm wrapped up in the arms. Of my father I'll never lose my position I will always be your child That's all that matters Cause even on my worst days It stays the same I just can't understand How high How wide How deep is your love? How high, how wide, how deep is your love? How high, how wide, how deep is your love? How of my soul and it won't let go there's nowhere else I'd rather be nowhere else for me wonderful love from 
So in love with, wanna be closer to no one else but I'm so covered by, so in love with, wanna be closer to you. Oh no, it doesn't matter how far I go. You, I can always find my way back home. Yeah, no. on, on, I'm holding on, on and on, and I don't know all of your plans. Do you mind? 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And I just want to, when I left off with what happened with Jonah after he was tossed over into the sea, I just want to remind everyone that when I said how when we find ourselves in dire straits after being disobedient, we're always crying out to God to help us, right? As Jonah did. And, but at the end of the prayer, here's the irony. At the end of the prayer, Jonah states, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's interesting that he would use those words, yet he still didn't want the people of Nineveh to be saved. Yet he knows salvation belongs to the Lord. So the Lord, after Jonah is in the fish, that's when he's doing all this praying and coming to his senses. The Lord allows to fish to vomit Jonah up on dry land. But before I go into the rest of the story, I do want to say the music because sometimes I forget. We started off our show with Making Changes by Grace. Then we had Worst Days by Called Called Out Music, and we had another selection called Holding On, also by Called Out Music. Then the last song that we heard was Ebb and Flow by Matthew Parker and Xander Sallows. So now, here we go into chapter three. And here we go again. Jonah, uh, God gives Jonah a second chance to follow the orders. Go to Nineveh. And tell them that in 40 days they will be punished if they don't turn around and look to me for forgiveness. So here we see also how God redeems the time. Here's another lesson. It took 
three days. It was a three-day journey from where the fish vomited Jonah up to get to Nineveh. Because remember, he was on that boat, so he went further away from where he was supposed to be. So the fish vomits Jonah up. It was a three-day journey for Jonah to get to Nineveh. But Jonah got there in one day. So this is a lesson to all of us who have been disobedient to the directives that God has given us. He can make you catch up as if you were still on the same course that he had started you on. If you turn around and start to do what he says to do. If you recognize that you were wrong and should have done what he wanted you to do. He can make it as though you had never missed a beat and that you were right back to where he had originally told you what to do. But just as Jonah suspected, you know, Jonah took the word that the Lord said. He went to Nineveh. He told the people, if you don't turn around your wicked ways, God is going to punish you. Right? In 40 days, if you don't change, God is going to punish you, destroy you, wipe you out. And just as when Jonah gave that message, the people listened. The people were in fear. They didn't want the God of the Israelites to come down on them. They knew they were wicked. The Assyrians knew The Ninevites knew how wicked they were. That's like you going to somebody who you know, they know the sin that they're committing. So when you give them a word from the Lord, you know what? You keep it up. God is going to get you. For everything you're doing, it's going to come back on you. And then they think about it. And then they think about how evil they've been. They think about how they've wronged so many people. They think about, oh my God. If what I did to people came back on me, I couldn't deal with that. So from the smallest of babies to the king himself, they covered themselves with ashes and sackcloth and was praying and fasting and saying, oh, Lord, please do not come and punish us for the way we have been behaving. The people of Nineveh believed the word of the Lord and God spared them. They repented. They turned their life around. And they were saved. And this is just what Jonah thought was going to happen. This is just what Jonah thought was going to happen. But let's look at this. Here's another, another key point from the story. Here we see not only did God give Jonah, a child of his, a second chance when he messed up, but he also gave the Ninevites, the sinners, a second chance as well. So God is truly a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, however many times it takes you to get it right. He's there to give you an opportunity to do the right thing. Because at the end of the day, God always wants 
all of us to turn to him and know who he is. He doesn't want any of us to have to face the punishment of our sins. Hence the reason why Christ came and died on the cross for us. Because God didn't want to have to punish anybody. And if it weren't for Christ taking on the sins that we had, well, that we were living in and had created, we would all perish. See, this was back before Christ. So God had to send a prophet to tell them, which was like, okay, I'm telling you, I'm warning you, follow, and I'll, you know, I'll, I, I won't punish you. But now today, once again, but we have Christ there standing in the gap for us. And of course, <laughs> how do you think Jonah felt about that action? Right? The fact that he went there, told the people to act right, God saved them. How do you think he felt after he saw that happen? They get to live? Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. So now let's think about it. Going back to that original question, how many of us, when we pray, pray for our enemies, oh God, just save them, or we go and give them a word, you know, you really need to change, or God's going to, you know, he doesn't like what you're doing, or do we just say, God, get them? And I laugh when I think about that because it's not only about you praying for your enemies. But when you pray for your enemies, it's not, has, it's not just an outward prayer. You have to believe that prayer within your heart that you really want God to save them. Because I can remember, like I said, I find myself, there's a lot of me in this Jonah character, and I'm sure there's a lot of other, other people that can relate to Jonah. Because yes, me too. I, you know the story. I've told you the story from before. I ran from the calling. And of course, my life was turned upside down. I didn't have a moment's peace. I thought it was just, you know, things happening. But I knew it had to do with the fact that I wasn't following what God wanted me to do. But it's until you get to the point where you can no longer deal with what he's having, what he's letting occur in your life, until you just say, all right, already, I'm just going to do it. So here, I, I laugh because when I think about Jonah and how he gave them the message, although he didn't want to give them the message. So outwardly, he obeyed God and what he wanted to do. But in his heart, he really wanted the people to die. And sometimes we have to be so careful because God is looking at our heart as well. And yes, although we're following and doing what he wants us to do, he's still looking at that heart. So he's still trying to change you up in everything that God does. In everything that God does in your life, in you affecting someone else's life, trust and believe. Like I always say, it starts with you first. It starts with you first. So here, I laugh when I read that when he said, and Jonah was disgusted. He was displeased and he was furious because I remember me and my girlfriend, we would always say, you know what? Like if we were fussing about something that happened and we'd be like, you know what? We're just going to follow Romans 12. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heat coals of fire on his head. But we would say that, but were we really following the first two parts of what the scripture said? 
In other words, we were saying, okay, yeah, we're just going to be nice to them because we want God to heap the coals of fire on his head. That's the part we really wanted to be played out. We wanted the coals of fire on top of their head. So if we had to act like, oh, yeah, okay, everything's good. We're not going to, you know, really say what we want to say. But still, God knew our heart that we just wanted him to punish them. He knew that. And then sometimes I even say, like, if someone gets me upset or if something's going on, I say, you know what? I'm going to start seeing those praying, those Psalms like David did, you know, just kill my enemy. Remember all the time David was always telling God to kill his enemies. But then David had to repent. He had to say, well, you know what, God? Yes, you do protect me and all. But in the beginning, when they was chasing him, he used to always say, look, just take them out. Just take them out. And that's how a lot of us are, even though. It's not that we necessarily want God to just take them out. But in the moment when they're doing something that you don't like, you're like, you know what, God, just get them. Just get them. And that's how Jonah felt. So here we are in chapter four, starting with verse one. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled Previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's like, I'd rather be dead than to see these people be saved by you, God. He was really upset that the Ninevites were spared. So the Lord asked him. Like he asked Job when people try to tell him what he should do and how he should conduct his business. The Lord said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah left the city because he was like totally disgusted. And there he made a shelter for himself that he could, you know, that he could be away from the city. And then when he left, God made a plant to cover Jonah so that there would be shade over his head to try to deliver him from his misery. You see how when God will, even in our disobedience or even when we're angry, God will still try to work with us and give us something to show, I still love you, even though you're acting like a brat, even though you're acting like the way I don't want you to act. I still love you and I'm still going to protect you. So he puts a shade over him, right? So then Jonah was happy for the shade, right? We're always happy when God blesses us, right? That he's grateful. But when the morning came, God sent a worm to eat the, the, the plant so that it would wither. And then the sun rose and the the sun was beating on top of Jonah, so he grew faint. And then he wished he was dead again. I'd rather be dead than die. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? See, God keeps putting Jonah in these situations to show him to check himself, how he responds when things are going good for him, it's good. When things aren't going good for him, he's all upset. He wants to die. And he said, is it right? So then Jonah responds to him after God asked him, was it right for him to be angry at the plant? Jonah says, is it right for me to be angry even to death? But God told him, here's, and now here's the important, important part of the story. Here's another gem. God said to him, 
you have pity on a plant which you didn't even make. You didn't create it. You didn't make it grow. And because it died, you're annoyed. But yet you didn't have pity on an entire city. Hundreds of thousands of people could have died. Livestock, everything. I was about to wipe the whole entire city out. And you didn't have pity on them. But yet you have, you're annoyed because of a plant. And the book ends like that. And the book ends like that because it's a question to all of us. What is most important and precious to you than the love of God for his people? Think about it. What's so important to you that that's so important that it it overshadows what you think God should do for his people? Like your car, if your car stops working, is that more important? You cry out to God, oh, my God, how could you allow my car not to work? You know, I need my car to go back and forth for transportation. You're so concerned about the car and the things in your life that aren't going right. But do you cry out to God about the same concerns that are happening to people right there in the street that you might walk by every day? Right? Are you so concerned about the homeless that are being displaced because of the greed and corruption taking place in the city? Are you crying out about the people that are being killed and oppressed because legislatures, they refuse to pass gun laws because they're afraid that it might hurt their bottom line? Jonah's message is a message to all of us. A, Don't run from the direction of the Lord. If God is giving you a directive, follow it, because that might be your greatest opportunity to do the right thing. Jonah leaving that, leaving his place and going someplace else, not wanting to deliver that message to the Ninevites would have wiped out thousands. And all Jonah saw was they're evil people. I don't like them. I don't like what they do, kill them. God saw their people, they're my creation. They deserve a second chance. That's the first thing we see. And just to know, when you don't do what God has told you to do, how many lives are hanging in the balance? How many people's lives are hanging in the balance because you want to be disobedient? And that's what my take was from this. That's why I can so relate to Jonah so closely. Because after I finally decided to stop running, my question to myself was, how many lives are hanging in the balance because I'm not doing what the Lord wants me to do? How many people's lives have I touched from my words, from my voice? And had I not have been doing this, Where would they be? We also have to remember that we can't have God on our own terms alone. We want God to love us and those that we love and care about, but we don't want him to do good by anybody else. We have to remember that God is a God for all, not just you or me. And 
he can't respond or react the way we want him to respond and react to others. He loves everyone. He loves all of us, everyone the same, even when we don't love them the way he loves us, the way he loves them. And the final thing that we have to remember is God is going to do as he pleases, regardless of how we feel about it. And until we wrap that in our head, that we're not in control of things, that's the biggest takeaway from this whole thing. So that was, that was the prophecy that not only God was showing to the people, but what God was showing to Jonah himself. Check yourself. Check your heart. Don't just think everything has to be about you. Don't just think I'm only here for you and for those who you want me to do good by. I'm here for everybody. I'm here for everybody. And that's something for Christians to remember because Christians can easily just think, oh, God is just for those who believe in God. No, God is for everybody. And everybody has the opportunity to change. And that ends up, Ed. We're in a new month. New word of the month, providential, occurring at a favorable time involving divine foresight or intervention. And our promise of the week is going to come from Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And with that, I say, I thank you for listening to me this morning. I hope that you got a lot of the lessons out of this book of Jonah. Because this definitely has been my signature book. And I'm glad that I can see myself in him, but I'm glad that I can also see myself growing from it as well. Because it's one thing to see yourself as a character, but you're not supposed to just stay there, especially if it's not something that's right by what God wants you to do. But if you can see what God is saying to you and follow what he's telling you, then, then it's all the better. So with that, I say have a wonderful Sunday. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy yourself. And just be kind, be safe, be whatever it is that God wants you to be. Follow what he has for you to do. And until we see each other again next week, I'm leaving you with my signature song that I love that this was, if they had to be a a song for my salvation, this would be it. BB and CC Whining. Stay with me. Please don't go.